As you turn in your Bibles this morning to 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter is conveying to the first century believers who they thought because of the persecution that they were under, because of the the the, the political and, and governmental chaos and, and 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 anarchy and hostility and and all that was going on in that day toward the believers, they thought, well, this surely is the end of the world, and uh, surely our Lord, who said that He would return, surely He is going to come back quickly, and so much of what Peter is writing to these believers dealing with suffering and dealing with all they were going through, he also deals a great deal with the end is near. And uh, so look with me, if you would, in uh, chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. I know we're not going to get through these two verses today, all that's in them. So let me give you the four things uh, before we read through verses 7 and 8, and we'll probably just get through one, maybe a couple, and then we'll probably pick up next week, Lord willing. Also, if you would uh, look over, just keep your finger there and look over just a couple of pages, turn to your left to James 5, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 9 because they go together. First of all, we're going to see how the sovereignty of God secures us, regardless of who is elected president, how crazy things get around us. The sovereignty of God secures us. Secondly, we're going to see in these verses that a serious mindset For we as believers, it safeguards us. A serious mindset safeguards believers. And then thirdly, a spiritual alertness strengthens us. It strengthens us as God's children. And then the last part that we're going to look at in verse 8 is the superiority of love sanctifies us or cleanses us in these difficult and dark days. So with that in mind, let's uh, let's read together verse 7 and 8. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity or love among yourselves, speaking to believers. For love, for charity, shall cover the multitude of sins. In James 5, 7, James says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman, or the farmer, waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, waits for the harvest, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth at the door. Let's pray. Oh Lord, uh, we're so grateful for your word which gives us sure footing in slippery times. Lord, we're thankful for your truth which anchors our soul to the cross that we sing about this morning. And Lord, we're so grateful for the cross. We're so thankful for your blood. Uh, Lord, things all around us are giving way. But Lord, your truth endures forever. Your faithfulness endures unto all generations. Lord, your loving kindness is everlasting. Lord, you do not change, and we are secure when we know you. So Lord, I pray you would speak to us today. Uh, Lord, speak to us by your Spirit, through your Word. Lord, this is not 
going to be beneficial to anyone if it's just words coming from a man's lips. But oh God, if you would speak to your people today, if we would hear your voice, if your presence would draw us near, and then, oh Lord, we can leave this, this place changed, drawn to you, strengthened by you. And Lord, help us, uh, Lord, to surrender to you, to repent today as you call out our name. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Well, the end is near. The end is near. As you look around and as you see what most people believe, uh, you know, there's not a lot of people that believe, as far as secular people, has no concept of Scripture, no biblical basis, that the end is near. Because all their lives they've been taught that the earth has existed for millions and millions and trillions of years. And so kind of the naturalistic material worldview is it's just going to continue on and on and the only thing that's going to cause any problem is if we run our cars too much or we more 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 grass too much and our lawnmowers are going to make global warming and all so that's what the world sees it has no biblical basis bless you they have really no concept of a biblical time frame that the world is limited that that there is a certain time that God has allowed for human history, that God has allotted for mankind. And when that is up, it's up. Man can't speed that up. He can't pro prolong it. It is completely the times and the seasons, Acts 1-7 says, are under His authority. He holds the keys to when time will end as far as human history. But there is kind of this interesting way, even though people don't believe in the end and they scoff at it and they scoff at the Lord's return and they think the world has existed for trillions of years and it's going to continue and all things are just going to go on just as they have before and there's no such thing as judgment coming. There's no such thing as Jesus coming. That's all this made up religious stuff to try to scare people in to going to church and giving their money. That's what lost people think. But it's interesting, though, there is, there is this kind of apocalyptic mindset in entertainment and in literature that people just, they gravitate to. Have you noticed that? This end-of-the-world genre of, of movies and of, and of all these things, it attracts people. People are interested in anything to do with the end of the world, the end of days, the end of time, anything apocalyptic. What I particularly like is uh, I, I've seen it around town. I don't know whether there's two or three individuals that have this, and I don't know if there's a, a, a particular subculture, kind of like the goth subculture was uh, you know, in vogue a little bit years back. I don't know. It's probably slipped out of vogue now because that's the way with fads and fashions. But I love this car. It says it's something to do with it's a, it's, it, it, it's a car that the person's driving has stickers, bumper stickers all over it. I don't know if you've seen it around town. It's kind of a weird-looking car. And he said that he is preparing for the zombie apocalypse. And if you need any information about the zombie apocalypse, then just check with him because that's the preparation car, the something, I don't know. Many of you seen that around? Nobody's seen it but me. Has anybody anybody seen that? Maybe it's just maybe I dreamed it or something. I don't. You you saw it, Daryl. Me and you. I guess we were behind the same guy. So I don't know what the zombie apocalypse is, 
but evidently a few people are interested in it. And I guess it's where people who are really dead but kind of come back to life, but they really don't come back to life because that's what a zombie is. And so they walk around, they take over the world. So it's the end of the world for all of us who are alive and the zombies who are not really alive, but they're dead, they take over. And why are people interested in stuff like that? Because it's intuitive in the heart of every person created by God that there is an end. Even if people don't admit it, even if the secular and scientific and material-minded person completely rejects the truth of God, completely rejects any notion of God, it is in the heart of man that one day there will come an end. That's why people are interested in it. That's why people are fascinated with it. Because we know even if we don't know from Scripture, that that's true. That's going to happen. And that's what Peter is telling the believers. But the first thing that I want you to notice as you look there in verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. The sovereignty of God secures us. God is in control. He is absolutely in control. I want to say this without any fear of reprisal, without any reservation. I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. My dad was a welder, but I'm going to make a prophetic statement. The zombies are not going to take over the world and bring the apocalypse. It's not going to happen. How do I know that? Because God is in control. And that is what Peter was telling the believers who were suffering and going through difficulty. And they were thinking, surely this is the end of the world. He said, listen, God is in control. The end of all things is at hand. The word the end of all things is the Greek word teleos, which means there is an established point in time. This is not just open-ended. This is not just, well, whenever it just winds down, kind of a, 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 an end times entropy, the world is kind of winding down. When everything just gets to a certain state, it's going to be so bad. Then God will look at it all and he'll finally get to a point. He say, okay, I've been patient, but this is it. I'm, I'm closing the curtain. This is it. It's over because God reaches a certain point where He's just through with it all. That's not what's going to happen. There is a certain number of days that each of us have as individuals. It doesn't matter whether you believe that or not. There is a certain number of days. Teach me to number my days, the psalmist said, that I might have understanding and wisdom and use each day to the fullest. But there are a certain number of days for the history of humankind. That's what this word means. The end of all things. Teleos. It is an appointed time that is under authority and under the control of the one who sits transcendent over all time. God is not limited to time or space or location. That's a part of being God and being God alone. He controls time. He, is, he has authority over time because He transcends. He is above time. He sees all of the beginning as well as the end from one vantage point. No other being can do that but God. 
But that's what the Bible tells us about our God. The word teleos also is used in the Greek language to refer to a certain period of time in which you are allowed to carry a debt, but at the end of a fixed point of time, that's when your debt comes due. You must pay. It, whether it's like your home mortgage for 15 years or 30 years, and then when that time is up, it is due. It is a, it is a time that you must have paid it all. It is the same with this word, the end of all things. It's not only that there is a set time that God alone knows, there, it is the time when everything that is owed to God will come due. Everything. I'm so glad, just as we sang this morning, that my debt has already been paid. When that day comes, for me and for you, if you're a believer, it has been paid. There is nothing that I will owe to God at that point. Jesus paid the debt. But for those who have not trusted in Christ, for those who have not put their full confidence in what He did at the cross, that one man, one cross, then their debt is still outstanding. When that day comes, it'll be a day of reckoning when all will have to pay what they owe to God. For the wages of sin is what? Death. And that's ultimately separation from God. It's separation for a lifetime if you refuse Jesus. And it's separation for an eternity when this life is over. Matthew 24, I want you to turn there with me if you would. Let's look at this phrase as it's used, it's used several times in Scripture. We're just going to look at a couple of them. Matthew 24 and verse... Let's begin in verse 11. It says, Jesus speaking. By the way, Jesus spoke often about this end of days. The end. He warned. He pleaded with a holy authority. And he announced that there would be an end. Verse 11, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. The rise of Islamic terrorists and jihadists is a, is a picture of this deception. They are deceived. They're thinking that they're serving whom they call as God. They are completely committed to the taking of other individuals' life, to the, to the sacrificing of their own life, to the sending of their women and even children into certain death. They are absolutely under demonic spiritual deception. And all of their imams are false prophets that have arisen in this age and culture of deception. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Many who claim to know God, claim to love Christ, even they begin to waver and begin to veer away from their commitment to Christ. Probably that means that they were never saved to begin with. Just confess something that they were really not committed to. And Jesus said in verse 13, And he that shall endure until the end, if you really are saved, you are secure. 
God is holding you in His hand. The sovereign God who holds all of human history in His hand from the beginning point to the very end point. You are secure in His hand and you will endure because you are His. And those that endure to the end, which shows they truly were saved, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Never before have we had such an opportunity to reach literally every people group on the globe with the gospel through technology, through smartphones, through computers, through the internet. It is more of a reality and a probability within the next few years than than it's ever, ever been. Isn't that interesting that the end of time is tied to the gospel? We think, well, it's out there and it's just about us going to be with the Lord in heaven and it's about those being judged, but it is about the gospel. The gospel not only encompasses salvation, it encompasses judgment. The gospel is not only about the cross, it is about Jesus coming again and being the judge over the whole earth. He was judged for our sins and therefore he is worthy to be judged. Bible declares and God has committed all judgment unto him 1st Corinthians 15 1st Corinthians it's a fixed point in time then the end shall come not when this happens and whenever it happens then the then the end shall come at a fixed appointed time and it's tied to the gospel 1st Corinthians 15 Paul also uses this same terminology and I want you to turn there with me if you would 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24. Then cometh the end, when he shall deliver up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, all earthly powers, all people who have risen to power, they will all be put down, for he must reign, Jesus, till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. It's a fixed point in time. Then cometh the end. And you know what it's tied to? It's not only tied to the cross, his humiliation and his suffering and his death for us. It is tied to his lordship. He'll rule and he'll reign. Then the end shall come. I'm so glad that the end for us as believers means the greatest victory that the world has ever seen. And we've already experienced that victory. We'll see it. We'll be a part of it physically. But we have already bowed our knee before Him. He is Lord. We have surrendered our lives to Him. So it'll just be the the working out of that, the consummation of that. Now the enemy is against anything with a with a passion that is truthfully biblical concerning the end of days. He hates it. Why? Because he's going to be one of the rebellious that will be judged. Have you noticed, those of you ladies who are going through the BSF study started last September, the book of Revelation, have you noticed an increase in spiritual opposition in your lives as you've studied that? The enemy 
hates when you study the book of Revelation. He hates it. The Bible says that he will work even harder as that day approaches. He will become even more active and more overt in his actions. Not just covert, but he will become more out in the open. The closer you attempt to God as a believer, to get to God as a believer, the, the, the more you live with an urgency and a passion realizing that the Lord could come at any moment, the more the enemy will rise up and attack you. He hates the biblical truth of the Lord's soon return. He hates it. As Kim and I have been writing the last several months, and as our deadline, this fixed appointed time approaches where we must be done, we've sensed the enemy's attack all along, but it has increased. Spiritual opposition has risen to a new level because of that deadline. Because I believe that he knows what God wants to do desires to do and will do through that. But even in preparing for this message the last uh, week and a half or so, as I know that I was going to speak on this, I've sensed a greater spiritual opposition and, and spiritual hindrance. And, 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 and the enemy hates this truth. He hates it. That's why there's a blessing attached to the book of Revelation unlike any other. Because it, it, it shows the majesty and the glory of our Lord Jesus. That he is Lord of all. And the enemy will have to bow before him. And that's why he hates it. Look with me, if you would, in the book of Revelation. You ladies will recognize these, these verses. Revelation 1.8. The end of all things is at hand. The end is in God's sovereign control. It's a fixed appointed time where all debts to God will be owed. Jesus said this, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. Saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Look over with me at the very Last book of the Bible, Revelation 22. Revelation 22, verse 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am, Jesus said, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The end of all things is at hand. For, for we who know the Lord, that is the greatest comfort and encouragement that we can have. Because the end of all things does not mean the end of us, the end of our world. It means Christ. For me to live is Christ, Paul said, but what? To die is what? His gain. Because I gain Christ. If I live, I'm serving Christ. I'm surrendered to Him. He is Lord and Savior of my life and soon coming King. If I die, I'm in His presence and He is my Lord and He rules and reigns. To live is Christ. To die is Christ. In the beginning was God. 
In the beginning, John said, was the Word. Who was there at the beginning? Who spoke the world into existence? The Lord Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I am the beginning and the end. That's what Peter was saying to believers who were struggling, who were, who were under persecution and difficulty, and they didn't know if they'd be able to make it through the day. And Peter was saying, listen, the Lord Jesus, He is coming, the end is coming, but He is at hand. That means He's right here. He's not only coming, He is here. What a comfort for a believer to know that because God is sovereign, He is in control, we are secure. We're not only secure in where we're going to go, when the Lord comes again, but where we are right now, while we wait patiently for His return. He is at hand. Anybody leave your house without your hand this morning? Unless you have a prosthetic device, you probably... How close is your hand to you? It's always pretty close, about that far away, isn't it? The Lord is at hand. He is near. The Lord is here with us. And He's coming for us. What an encouraging Encouraging thought for believers. Not only is He the Lord of all history, He is the end. He is the beginning. I don't fear the end. I look forward to the Lord wrapping all of this up. But for those of you who don't know the Lord, it doesn't mean salvation. It means judgment. And you should fear. There's nothing for you to have confidence in if you don't know the Lord. If you're not absolutely certain that Jesus is your Lord and that He is the beginning for you, that when you came to Him and trusted Him, that was the beginning of your life. That was everlasting life. He is the beginning for you. And when the end comes of all that you know, it's not really the end for you because He is at the end and He is the beginning. So the end is the beginning for you as a believer. Amen? But for those of you who don't know the Lord, you have no confidence or assurance or comfort at all. If you don't have any beginning with Christ, then you have no way of knowing what your end will be. And even though Christ's return may be a long ways off, I don't know, I think it's close, very close. He could come at any moment. For you, if you die without Christ in an instant, and today could be that day, it's the end for you exactly the same as if it was the end of all human history because it'll be the end of your history. And so that's why every person needs to seriously consider Christ's Lordship. Seriously consider the Gospel. Seriously consider the sovereign God who made the heavens and the earth and who holds time in His hands. To fail to consider whether or not that could possibly be true is the, could be the most fatal mistake you ever make. Because when it is the end, and Christ is not there for you as the end, then it's over. It's over. At hand. The word at hand means there that He is close. He is here. John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3 verse 2, the very first words as he began to point to the Lord Jesus coming, to the kingdom of God coming, He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here. It's near. And so He used this same terminology. The Lord is here! And He was. 
for one day when John was baptizing, he, he looked there coming toward the Jordan River. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was near. The kingdom was near. It was at hand. In Philippians 4, 5, Paul said, the Lord is at hand. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 2, the same is repeated. The day of Christ is at hand. I'm reading just in my some of my private devotional reading, not study. I'm reading through the minor prophets. And over and over again, they say, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. And so now, when Jesus comes, it's not just the day of the Lord. It is the day of Christ. He is the Lord. Revelation 22.10, again, the very last words of the revelation of God, the time is at hand. Well, what is this? What does this mean? The Lord is at hand. The day of Christ is at hand. The time is at hand. It's nearer than any of us realize. I mentioned, and my apologies, bless you, to each of you, who I mentioned, us old guys, Ron and Brian, me and Daryl, Bruce, Russ. <laughs> Can you believe how quickly time has gone by? 60 years, almost 60 maybe for some of us, a little more than 60 for us. Can you believe it? Time, the time is at hand. Do you think about that most of your life has already passed? Can't recover. Can't go back. And there's no default button. There's no redos. It's gone. And we don't know how much we have ahead of us. We may not see the sun go down today, but that goes for any of us. The Lord is at hand. Now the great thing about this is He is at hand this morning. He is near. Call upon the name of the Lord. He's near. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The greatest tragedy in all of human history is that Christ was so near. All any individual has to do is turn to Him in faith. Look to Him. Put their trust in Him. Call upon Him. And He is right there. To turn away from the nearness of Christ and the nearness of God and be separated from God for eternity and face the judgment alone. and Come to the end and be alone is such an unnecessary human tragedy. There are a lot of people that wonder about what it will be when they come to the end of their life. And the early believers were thinking about the end of their life because many of their loved ones and many of their friends had lost their lives. They were really thinking about eternity a lot. They were thinking about heaven a lot. They were thinking about when the Lord would come and maybe rescue them and rescue their children and grandchildren so they wouldn't have to continue to live in the world that they were living in. So they thought about it a lot. And so Peter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was saying, listen, it is in God's control. 
You can trust God's timing. You don't know when you're going to die. You don't know when time is going to be up for everyone. But let me tell you something. God has it in His hand and you can trust Him completely. And the Lord is near. He's near to you whether you live for many years or whether you die today. You'll immediately be in His presence. Isn't that a comforting thought? A lot of people wonder, well, I really don't want to die alone. I don't know what it would be like to be alone, maybe not have any family left, or maybe no family that cares for me. There's a lot of people that die alone. When we hear that, it, it just there's just a profound sadness when you think about a person dying alone. Well, I pray that when you come to the end of your life, I, I pray we all go together in the rapture. That's what I pray. It'd be great to happen right now. Amen. I'm, I'm ready for it. And that would be the best case scenario. But let me tell you something, dear child of God. I pray that when it comes your time to go. And when your end has drawn to its very final moments. I can assure you that the grace of God will be there to sustain you through that time. And Jesus will be near. In fact. I have a hunch that he'll be nearer at that time than at any other time in your life. I've seen believers leave this life. I've only seen from one side, this side. But I've, I've been there when believers have left this life, have breathed their last breath. And there is something holy about when a believer dies. There is the presence of the Lord in that room that is so powerful powerful and it's almost palpable it's so strong because they're almost in the presence of the Lord literally and it's like the two intermingle because he is there and when they die they are with him and he is there so even if you die alone even if the circumstances are that that you die without others around you I want to say to you, no believer needs to be afraid or to worry about how we're going to die, how it's going to be when we die, whether anybody's going to be with us, whether anybody's going to comfort us. I think we ought to do all we can to comfort others, to be with brothers and sisters in Christ, to be with family, to, to be there with them. But let's say that you or I die alone. We don't die alone as believers. Amen. Even when the end for us is right there, the Lord is at hand. So don't worry about it. Look to Jesus. Love Jesus. Trust Jesus. He's here with you now. He'll be with you at the end because he is the beginning and the end. And remember, when you and I come to our end, we really come to the beginning. Because it's Jesus here, it's Jesus there, it's Jesus everywhere for the believer. Let's pray. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that does not have the comfort of knowing that you're there with them now and that you'll be there with them even in the end, Lord, I pray that today you'd speak to them as only you can. 
I pray you would draw them near. Lord, you'd give them the assurance that you are Lord over death. You have triumphed over death. That you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Lord, I pray, I pray no one would be foolish enough to leave today without considering their end. Without considering eternity. Without considering where they are in relationship to you and on which side of the judgment they will stand. God, help them to consider this with all seriousness. Spirit of God, draw us near. I pray for those that need comfort. I pray for those that are struggling beneath such a weight and burden of difficulty in this life. Lord, would you encourage them today with the truth that you are in control, that our times are in your hand, even our times of suffering, Lord, there's an end to those. And we can put our confidence in you. We can trust in you. We love you, Lord Jesus. Even so, Lord Jesus, come.